The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. True story. No, don't assume. I'm, I'm telling you a true story. Listen, I guess I earned that skepticism. True story. There's a story about a British admiral, well-decorated, successful, victorious, probably why his lone ship was the one trusted to guard the coast. So during his time, one day during just a you know, routine day, he's making his rounds, men looks good, swabbing the deck. He gets the call that you don't want to hear from the crow's nest, the lookout. Captain, captain, a ship, a ship on the horizon. I should say it with a British accent, right? A ship on the horizon. That's the best I got. Right away, being here before, Admiral knows what to do. So he assembles his men, brings them all in, gives them the rah-rah. They trust him. They believe him. They know his leadership. He sends them on to the battle stations, tells them to get ready to engage. As the first mate walks away, he grabs a hold of him. So just picture an admiral, you know, like a navy blue and like the, the, you know, the buttons going across and those whatever things on the shoulder or whatnot. He takes it off. He lays it aside. He says to the first mate, go to my quarters, get the red one. And you know how captains are like, you know, or like a boss. Like if, if you freeze, they do the, now, you know, like he's stunned. So the first mate runs off because he's picturing in his head, we're about to go to war and he's worried about his wardrobe. So he brings it back to him, places it on, and the battle ensues. It's a mess, it's gruesome, it's bloody, like not like English, bloody, like, like it was really bloody. The battle's done, the smoke clears. Admiral's making his rounds, checking on men, they're tending the wounds, they're dealing with those that, that lost their lives in the battle. He's, he's making his way down the boat, and his first mate's sitting there, and he's kind of just kind of down like this, and he calls out to him, and he looks up, getting ready to give him a, a command, and before he can do it, he says, Admiral, I'm sorry, sir, I have to ask you. I'm sorry, sir, I, I don't mean to oppose you. I have to ask, you, you called for your red jacket. Surely you can't believe in luck or be superstitious. Why did you do that? And the Admiral kind of grabs a hold of him and says, you will take this to your grave. He said, these men trust me. They believe in me as a leader. If they were to see me take a hit, I would demoralize them. They might lose confidence in me. So I wear this red so that if I get hit, my red blood would just blend right in. Before he even finished from the crow's nest, Admiral, Admiral, on the coast, five, five enemy ships already from a victory, already poised for battle, already wearing his red to blend his blood in, he looks to his first mate and says, quick, get me my brown pants. <laughs> the good life. I promise I'm going somewhere with that. I promise. Listen, listen. 
I said it was true because there's truth in it. There's truth in it. As the leader, you show no weakness. As the leader, you don't fail. You have no vulnerabilities. You can do the extraordinary. All right, real true story, I promise. Princess Diana was a leader. In 1980, when AIDS hit the scene, it sent a panic kind of like how the plague did in Rome. When the plague hit Rome, if you had any symptoms of the plague, the people would drag you out of your home and leave you in the street there to die. Well, there was kind of this same fear brewing as AIDS hit the scene in 1980. It was a disease that would kill you and there was no cure for it. And so because of that, all kinds of fallacies and rumors began to grow around it. And you remember them, right? Like, if you use a public restroom after someone who had AIDS, you could catch AIDS. Or that you could get it from something as simple as, like, common contact. Not even intimate, just regular contact. Well, Princess Diana in 1980, she, she opened up the first treatment facility in the UK just for these patients. And what the world confused, and, and as a matter of fact, in America, in America there was a poll. 50% of Americans at that time thought that anyone with AIDS should be quarantined. So knowing all of that, and she, she opens up this facility, but that wasn't, that wasn't the amazing act of leadership. On the day that it was opened, she goes there for a visit, and in front of the world and on the world stage, People there watching, no biohazard suit, no glove on her hand. She walks to one of the patients, consoles them, and shakes their hand. Now, the reason I tell that story is because if I would have started off just talking about leadership, some of you would have checked out. He's not talking to me. I'm not a leader. Never picture myself as one. Got no reason to think that I am. But yet we all possess the same power that Princess Diana had. Maybe you think of yourself as a princess, but that's not, the, that's not the power that I'm talking about. We all have the power to shake someone's hand who's been ostracized or kicked out. We all have the power to invite someone to our table who's being bullied. The disciples became leaders simply because they say yes. Rosa Parks became a leader simply because she said no. You don't need military stripes to be a leader. You don't need credentials to be a leader. The only thing you need to be a leader is to be who God made you to be and take one step in front of the other towards him. That is what it takes to be a leader. Some of you guys are leaders by default and you don't even know it. A boss. A coach, a teacher, an older sibling. Because what we, what we have learned, and you know that we brought the GLS here this past week, and one thing that we heard throughout that entire, after every speaker, is that leadership is simply influence. All of us have influence. You have influence right now to the person beside you. All of us have influence. And taking one step in God's direction automatically makes you a leader. Let me show you. Take a look at this verse in Hebrews. 
Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Your leaders who spoke the word of God, leaders who stepped towards God. They became a leader because they stepped towards God. Listen, somebody today, maybe you're in here, and this is the first time you've ever stepped foot in church or the first time in a long time. I don't even care if you came off the street homeless. You took one step towards here, somebody saw you. And that one step became an act of leadership. Maybe you're watching online. You scrolled past and you saw this and you've never had any interest in church. But right now you have this up online and your child just curled up beside you and said, Mommy, what are you watching? Get ready. Get ready to lead. See, the problem is that we've always considered leadership and thought about it as this more about power and authority. And when we think about that, and then we think about the leaders of our lives, even the ones right now, all we can think about is some of the power and authority that they've had and how they've misused it for their own pleasure and for their own pocket. And because of that, we don't trust leaders and we sure don't want to be one. Why is leadership important? Why are we talking about today? Why are we dedicating a sermon to it? Patrick took us to the beach last week, to the good life, and he made it clearly aware that it's only a matter of time before this scene right here with the glistening water and the floaty turns into a typhoon, that it turns into a storm. It's only a matter of time before the chaos comes our way, and that building a foundation on Jesus is the way that we can still live a good life in the middle of the storm. But we have to talk about leadership because the truth is, that a lot of the chaos in our lives is a result of how the leaders in our lives have led. Think about it. If your parents weren't very good leaders, you probably have a childhood that you don't like to revisit. If you're miserable at work, whose fault is it? It's your boss. <laughs> you, you guys didn't think I was gonna say it? Like, he, he won't say it. We know who his boss is. If the grades are going down, teacher gets evaluated. Next month when the season starts, if your team is trash, who's getting a new job? The coach. But we're tainted. We're tainted by what we have made leadership and how we've abused it. Because of that, we don't want to be one and we don't want anything to do with it. And we probably don't trust the ones who are leaders over us. All I want to do today is just two things. The first one I want to do, I want to reframe you guys back to leadership. I want you to come back to leadership. I want you to believe in it again. I want you to trust in it again. I want you to know that you're called to it. Leadership is not taking off in your own private jet, flying down the runway and getting to the top, and everybody who's down here sees you and says, that's the leader. And their private jet, that way if something happens to it, there's, there's enough parachutes that we can all get out of here. It's all about, no, leadership is not a private jet. Leadership is a passenger plane. It's a passenger plane that might take off one day and just start to go towards its incline. 
And when it's way, way up in the air, still not there yet, but still climbing, a flock of geese hit the engines, both engines go out, and now you're soaring over New York City, knowing that your protocol is, I gotta try to turn this plane around and get back to the airport, but in your gut, you're scared, you don't think you're gonna make it, and you radio back, we're going into the Hudson. Anybody know Captain Sullenberger? Landed the plane in the Hudson. Planes don't land and survive on water or on land. And he landed it in the Hudson. And when all, listen, this is leadership. And then when all 155 passengers got off the plane, then Sully got off. Miners trapped in a well, 33 of them. Louis Urzua, knowing that they, the, the devastation that they were, they were in, that it, somebody needed to be a voice of hope, literally in darkness, trapped in the, beneath the earth. He rallied them together. He took command of the, of the portions and he rationed them out. He helped all of the men in there to keep a morale and keep their spirits up. And when finally they were freed, minor number 30, minor number 31, minor number 32, who was minor 33? My man, Louis. He said vamos before he said adios. That's leadership. Reframe what leadership is, you guys. It's not somebody at the top looking down and squashing everyone. Does that happen? Yes. What does God want you to know today? That's not what it is. That's not what he designed it to be. This is what he designed it to be. Leadership is this. Leadership is be last in value and first in virtue. We're going to talk about these two things today. Be last in value and first in virtue. The leadership pyramid, like every other pyramid, a triangle at the top, the leaders at the top looking down saying, look at everyone who works for me and who serves me. That's not God's model. In leadership, the triangle gets flipped and really the top is the bottom and the leader looks up and says, look at everyone I get to serve. That's leadership. And maybe you're conflicted today because you don't have that type of leadership over you. That's why God wants to talk to you tonight about your own. When it's last in value and first in virtue, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't first place for the, for the virtues of God. Oh, I'm last in value, but I, Mr. Humble right here. Not, not first like that, not first place. Matter of fact, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to save this portion because the second half of this message is dedicated just to that. See, this is the kind of leadership that Titus that Paul was trying to teach Titus. Who's ever been on a mission trip? Raise your hand in here, let me see. Who's, put it up, put it up real high, that's leadership, put it up. Can we applaud our, our missionaries? Can we applaud them? When you were on your missions trip, did the person leaving the, leading the mission go like this to you? I'll see y'all later. No, they stayed and left with you, but that's not what happened with Titus and Paul. Titus and Paul were on a mission trip to the island of Crete. And when you think about good life, and you say island, you picture an island resort, but this was more like the island of Alcatraz. This was a concentrated place, a breeding ground for lying and cheating, excessive drunkenness, violence and fighting. Let me, let me time out. If I just described your last family reunion... Our, our banner outside says, welcome home for a reason. Don't go nowhere. Don't check out on me. You belong here. We all have a junk uncle who fights over card games. You belong here. Just stay put. It was also highly concentrated with piracy. Not carjacking, boatjacking. 
They're both pulling up next to yours, coming aboard, stealing the Gucci socks off your feet and rolling out. Pirates. And so they went to go plant a church there and start it, and then Paul rolls out because he had to go, and he tells Titus, you're going to plant the first church of the pirates of the Caribbean. So he sends him back a letter, and that's what we've been going through in the good light, this letter of the book of Titus. It's just a letter from Paul to Titus, and we're going to take a look at it in chapter 1. Take a look. Let's see what he tells him. He says, listen, for this reason I have left you behind in Crete so that you would set right what remains unfinished, meaning there's, there's work that needs to be done here. A church needs to be planted, and I'm leaving you in charge of it. No pressure, but I'm leaving you in charge of it. What remains unfinished, and appoint elders in every city as I have directed you. The leadership of last in value, first in virtue, this is the kind of leadership that Paul wanted Titus to have. This is the kind of leadership he wanted them to have. I want you guys to know something. His mission here was not just for him to be the man. I've appointed you, you've, you've made it, you're promoted, you're at the top, you're the leader now. That wasn't his mission. It says that he was appointed, his, his whole job was to start the church and appoint elders. So this is, this is actually church business right here. Find leaders to run these churches. The same way if you work for a business and your boss says, we're playing another franchise, he needs to find another general manager and a regional manager and a shift manager, and he needs to find the leadership. That was his whole job. Leaders finding leaders. I'm going to do something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up the curtain for a little bit. I want you guys to know how important this message tonight is. So I'm going to let you get like behind the scenes of the church world. This is the, if you guys come here, this is what you see. Lights and stage and a drum set and bad jokes and like you see all that kind of stuff, right? What happens behind these walls, Monday through Friday, is this stuff here. Our pastor, our pastor believes in this so much. That the reason that people are given leadership and position and authority is because you were supposed to impart that to somebody else. It's not about you. Matter of fact, he believes it so much that you guys might not realize this, but pastors, a lead pastor, like in, in this case where there's a whole pastoral team, shout out to all of our campus pastors, and we have a lead pastor who's amazing. He, he has the job that he has to decide which message God is specifically calling him to deliver. Sometimes there's ones that are more weighty than others. Sometimes there's one that if somebody's going to get mad and leave the church because of it, he's going to be the one that stands up and says it. This is one of those messages for him. It's near and dear to his heart, like one of his children. This message is one of those messages to him, and I want you to see, I want you to see something. I want you to see the kind of pastor that is leading this church. If, if you ever have questions about authority and leaders and power and position, I want you to see his heart. Our pastor right now is preaching this very message to this group, wherever you're at right now, he's preaching this very message louder in his absence than in his presence. Because it takes a lot of courage and trust in God to hand over something to somebody else who might start off with a very bad joke and trust that God will still show up and do it. And I just want to take a minute and applaud a leader who seeks and finds leaders like the team that he has around him. We are a product of our pastor. And I just want to shout him out. 
I tried to find an inspirational picture that kind of showed my heart about how I feel about Patrick's leadership. This is the best that I could find. You see it? Last in value, leadership is about lifting others up. It's about lifting others up. Even if those others can tend to be a pain in like this general region here. He's the kind of pastor that'll let me make this joke and I'll still have my job when he gets back. But he believes in leaders building other leaders. It's not about any of us. It's about the mission and it's about God. Titus had a mission to find other leaders. And Paul says, listen, we're talking about the church here. This is important. So we got we to do some vetting. We got to have the right person in this position. So he gives this description of who Titus needs to look for to be a leader. Now, there's a lot here. I'm going to go through it quick, and then we're going to go back and we're going to break it down. In chapter 1, verse 6. You're looking, namely, for a man of unquestionable integrity. Let me stop there. It's 2018. I want to give a big shout-out to Pastor Michelle. I want to give a big shout-out to our dream team leader, Ashley Fogel, who just got engaged. <laughs> <laughs> Give a big shout out to Missy, who's in charge of Lamano of Hope, who takes all of our mission teams out. Listen, this is a place that we believe that God honors women in authority and position. So don't get hung up on when I, if all these are he and men. Feel free anytime I say he to add your own little S in there, ladies, and say she, okay? We value and honor our women, all right? It's, it's the general term, man, man, man your stations. Listen. Namely, a man of unquestionable integrity, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of being immoral or rebellious. For the overseer, as God's steward, must be blameless, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not violent, not greedy for dishonest gain, but financially ethical. He must be hospitable to believers as well as strangers, a lover of what is good, sensible, upright, fair, devout, self-disciplined, above reproach, whether in public or in private. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy word of God as it was taught to him so that he will be able to both give accurate instruction, sound, reliable, error-free doctrine, and to refute those who contradict it by explaining their error. Leave that up for a little bit. Just focus your eyes. That's, that's the one we're going to talk about right now. We're going to start on that one, and we're going to work our way back. He finishes with this. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy word of God as it was taught to him. So that he will be able to both give accurate instruction, sound, reliable, error-free doctrine, and to refute those who contradict it by explaining their error. 
The first part is the main thing I want you to see. He says he, he must hold firm to what was taught to him. This is the first rule about leadership. It's this. You have to live it before you lead it. Remember when I said you have to be last in value, that it's not about you, but first in virtue? You think of virtue as it's, it's, not, it's not a place, it's not a recognition, it's not, the, it's not winning the contest. First in virtue means this. Imagine you're in a line for a cure. And imagine how you desperately just want to be at the front of that line. That's what this is. When, it's, when I say last in value and first in virtue, you have to be the one who first wants what you know it takes to lead. You have to live it before you lead it. The very things that we're, the very choices that we're telling people that they need to make as a leader, we need to make them first. The very direction that we're telling people that they need to go, we need to go that direction first. The very things we're showing them to believe, we have to believe first. We have to live it before we lead it. And honestly, I don't think that that really like rubs any of us wrong. I think we can appreciate somebody who says they need to practice what they preach and that they actually practice what they preach. That's like an age-old rule that we all know. But here's going to be the difficult part. If we all have influence, if we all have some form of leadership, and if leadership is flying that passenger plane knowing that people's lives, maybe their success, maybe their security, Maybe their eternity is riding on decisions that you make. We got to take a look at what it is we're actually being told to live. Let's look at this. Paul tells Titus, listen, this is big business here. This is people leading the church. This is people living out the name of Jesus. This is who you need to look for. Namely, a man of unquestionable integrity. Someone who does what's right, even when no one's looking. A husband of one wife, or a wife of one husband, looking for somebody who's faithful to their spouse, with their thoughts, with their eyes, with their life. Having children who believe, not accused of being Immoral or rebellious, meaning they, they, they teach God in their home. For the overseer, God's steward must be blameless, not self-willed. You're not about the things that you want on your own. You're not quick-tempered. You're not addicted to wine. You're not violent. You're not greedy for dishonest gain, wanting the things that only you want. No, you're hospitable. A lover of what is good, sensible, upright, fair, devout, self-disciplined. Above reproach, whether in public or in private. That's a lot. Right now, somebody, I'm sure you're feeling, see, this is why, this is why I can't do this church thing. This is why I can't do this God thing. Because there's so many rules and regulations and restrictions and requirements that I just can't follow. I can't keep them, so I don't want to lead. I'm sorry, I step out. I don't want to be a leader, but I'm sorry. You are in some capacity. And if you are one who believes in Jesus, 
These requirements are there. And they make me afraid. Me. They make me afraid. I can't keep them. I don't keep them. But I thought this was God. I thought this was the place where all of our fears were removed, but yet I'm afraid of these. He will remove the fear from this. As soon as you realize tonight that none of this, none of these requirements depend on you. They depend solely on God. You know, we live in a juice society, right? Let's take all of our food and just put it down into one little ingredient. Let me do that about all these, about all these requirements that it takes to be a leader, a godly leader. Let me just take them all and juice them down into one thing. It's follow Jesus. His yes is your yes. His no is your, your no. His why is your why. His example is your example. It's follow Jesus. And you know what's going to happen? All those things that we thought were requirements, the checklist that we have to check off to be good enough to be a leader in front of someone, all those requirements, when we follow Jesus, they ain't requirements anymore. They become the result. They're the result of following Jesus. They're not the requirement anymore. They naturally begin to happen. When we, when we get close to Jesus and realize there's a faithful God, we don't want to be unfaithful to those we promised to. When we realize that we need, we're close to him and need his correction, we want to be the voice that corrects our kids. Let's follow Jesus. And all these things we're afraid of that are too difficult to keep, they now become the results. We lead from where we love. So we have to love what is good. The same way that like, we always use a heart to symbolize love. The same way that a heart has four chambers. I believe, I believe our spiritual heart has four chambers. There's one of our desires, the things that we want the most and go after. There's our faith, what we believe, who we believe. There's our fear what holds us back, what restricts us, what says we can't do it, what says I won't do it. And the worst one of all is our sin. And it affects all the other ones. Sin is the reason why we do things that displease God. In the, in the movie, Seven Pounds, Will Smith. Now, I'm not endorsing the movie. There's just a good point in there. He plays a character named Tim and he falls in love with this girl. And she's suffering from a heart disease that's eventually going to kill her. And they become friends and they fall in love. And there's this one scene where he's pleading with the doctor saying, he's been with her throughout all of her journey, helping her find a, a donor and just being there is just moral support and just giving her quality of life when she knows she's headed towards death. He asked the doctor one day desperately, is there anything that's gonna be able to be done here. She had a very, very rare blood type. She gets a page one morning that they found a heart. They found a heart and she's desperately trying to text him and get a hold of him and what she doesn't know is that the heart that's being donated is his. I tell you that because this, Today, what you need to do before you take any step towards leadership is you need to look into your heart. The scripture tells us to be, to be a leader, that we have to be a lover of what is good. What, what do you love? Who do you love? 
And I say that because if you think that your heart can be one thing and your leadership another, you're wrong. There is no difference between what you love in your heart. There is nothing that you can, don't think that there's anything you can hide inside your heart that will not transfer into your leadership. If you're selfish, you're gonna lead selfishly in your home, in your community, on your job, in your ministry. I want you to look inside those chambers of your heart tonight, your spiritual chambers. Does God have your love? Maybe you're here tonight and, and God yet doesn't even have your faith, your belief in him. And if that's the case, the sin chamber of your heart, just like an infected heart that needs a transplant, is running your life. And it will destroy you. It's fear. It's fear, the dominant chamber in your heart. Are you afraid of this message tonight? Because I don't want to be, I don't want to fail, and I don't want to be caught, and I don't want to be the leaders. Your heart, who you are when no one is looking, the things that you love and the things that you pursue is all that you can give people. You can point them in direction all you want. You can tell them where they need to go. You can take the footsteps, but if your heart truly is leading you in another direction, that is where they're going to follow. For you as a leader, they're not watching you when you're on stage, they're watching you when you're in the store. They're not watching you on set, they're watching you behind the scenes. The lives that are following you are not watching you in the obvious, they are watching you in your oblivious. So who are you when no one's looking? What are you living because that is what you are going to lead? I want you to check the chambers of your heart. I want you to check your desires. I want you to check your fears. I want you to check the sin. I want you to check your faith. Right now, I want you to take a moment. Take a moment. Close your eyes. Have you ever allowed God's forgiveness to enter the chamber of sin in your heart? Forgive you of the things you've done wrong. Make you his child. Tonight you can do that. Tonight you can take that first step towards God and become the leader he's called you to be, the leader he sees you as. And to do that, it, it just takes a simple yes. You can say it to yourself, you can whisper it, you can say it to God, yes, God, I want that. For those of us who've made that decision, and maybe you just made it right now. Where can you feel God calling you into leadership? Where's the area in your life that you know is desperately calling out for somebody to stand up for what is right, to speak God's truth and God's love? Tonight, you're gonna leave here and God's gonna push you towards that leadership. But we can't do it unless we've lived it and continue to live it, because you're gonna lead what you live. 
God, tonight, will you meet us here in this room? And will you examine every chamber of our heart? Will you forgive the sin that's in the sin chamber? God, will you ignite our love? God, tonight, would you ignite someone's faith of belief and trust in you? And when all of that overwhelmed the chamber of fear, so that we can now give our hearts to those that we lead, that they would truly see that there's a heart that loves God and loves what is good, and that's what we lead with. How we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If I stand up with me, let's stand. What you need to do during this time is focus on the livid. If you feel any of the pressure of meeting those requirements, then this is the moment where you need to say, it does not depend on me. It solely depends on God. And all I need to do is follow Jesus. I wanna be first in line for these virtues, God, because I need them first so that I can lower my own value and lead those around me, most importantly, lead them to Jesus. Make this your prayer. Make this your stand to live it because God is gonna send you to lead it. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.